welcome to the pay-per-view of WrestleMania 18 for this episode of Call It In The Ring. I'm Jordan, and I'm joined here, like always, with Ed. How you doing tonight, pal? I'm good, man. I'm good. You know, this is the first time we've got to talk about the granddaddy of them all, and, you know, who doesn't, uh, who doesn't love the fact that, uh, you know, I mean, who doesn't love watching WrestleMania? I mean, whether it's WrestleMania 1 or a big event like, you know, 18, like we're talking about, I mean, who doesn't love the spectacle that is WrestleMania? Who doesn't? I didn't. What? But who doesn't like WrestleMania? You're right. You're right. I mean, whether you like this one specifically or hated this one, I mean, it's Wrestle fucking Mania, bro. I oh, mean, of course. Oh, no, of course. Just like Granddaddy just like, of Mo. Just like every Daytona 500, just like every Super Bowl, like NBA Finals. There are some great ones, and there are some stinkers, and there are some sleepers. Uh, we will find out as the show progresses here tonight how I feel about that. If this is a good one, a sleeper or a stinker. But WrestleMania 18, uh, this one, this one, this one's an interesting one to talk about. Uh, this was the first WrestleMania to be in Toronto, Canada at the Sky Dome since WrestleMania 6. And for you guys who are the fans of Call of the Ring, you will know that WrestleMania 6 main event was Hulk Hogan losing the belt to the Ultimate Warrior. That yeah. was the last time. Uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the attendance here was 68,237 and of course drowning pool, just like in SummerSlam of 2001 was the main theme song with tear it away here started on March 17th, 2002. Now, uh, I didn't do this the last time, but I wanted to tell you now that the record breaking audience here for the sky dome was 68,237, right? That. Sure. Ticket attendance grossed an approximately $6.1 million. It's considered to be one of the most profitable WrestleManias of all time. One of. Yeah. Well, I mean. That's just in ticket got, sales at going in. I mean, who, I mean, I guess when the tickets go on sale, you don't know the matches. They go on sale like months in advance. Exactly. So they would not have known the card yet so that's that's it's kind of huge it is kind of huge and they did it for us because why not in canadian that's 3.9 million that does not include pay-per-view buys that does not include anything else that is just the tickets that were scanned at the gate and all and all together equaled 6.1 million can you imagine that by the way i mean i know wrestlemania is huge and shit and nowadays i guess in 2018 6.1 million unfortunately doesn't sound like that much <laughs> but $6.1 million at the gate. That's just people coming in. Wow. That's that's a lot of money. I would argue that you probably had, what, another three, maybe four million just on pay-per-view, pay-per-view buys? Oh, more than that, bro. I mean, I don't know the number exactly, but, I mean, how many people would watch WrestleMania on, on the regular? Well, here's the thing. Uh, back in the day, because I was doing the research on this here, uh, of course, a, wrestler, a, a WrestleMania pay-per-view would always cost more than a standard pay-per-view, right? Sure. So a standard pay-per-view would cost about $40, okay? A WrestleMania pay-per-view is over 100 So let's just say 100 even, right? Mm-hmm. 
Think about that. If you had a million people in the United States buying WrestleMania at $100 a pop, oh. I mean, yeah. It's just I crazy. Mean, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what, that's what Vince, that's why, why Vince was brilliant. And, you know, that's why they needed to have, really, because if they're going to ask $100, they needed to have something to follow up WrestleMania 17. You know what I mean? I mean, you and I have discussed that WrestleMania 17 was one of the best of all time. I'm not a huge, you know, I'm not, I don't agree with that in its entirety, but like at the same time, you you know, people still say that and still think that. So WrestleMania 18 had to do something to top it in order to, to say, we were gonna we're gonna have you know have you pay a hundred dollars of course so you know at the same so i mean you have jericho and and triple h in the main event that's obviously the main event but the marquee of the day of this of this match was was hogan it was hogan and the rock that and, was that was advertised yeah that i mean and that was like there were there were two matches after that, you know. Three. No, there was the women's title, and then there was the title match. Yeah, so you got the women's title. Okay, fine, sure. You want to split yeah. hairs? Fine, sure. And I will get into more more of it into detail. But did you know, Skippy Fun Fact? Ooh, Skippy Fun Fact. Uh, yeah, uh, that as per the name of our show, Hogan and The Rock had to call it in the ring. Oh, did they now? Yeah, because Hogan was a heel he was supposed to be a heel and the rocks the face right at the time he was the face that ran the place sure so when they got in the ring and they started to 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 do what they had talked about doing what had been you know scripted they uh hogan was getting cheered and the rock was getting booed so mid-ring these two all-time greats Hogan being one of the greatest performers of all time up through that point, and The Rock being one of the greatest performers up then and now even, they sort of talked. I guess they said something to each other. Say, hey, man, we're going to call this in a ring. Like, we can't do what, what we said we wanted to do. We got to, you know, Hogan, you're the face, and I'm going to be the bad I'm going to be the bad guy. You're going to be the good guy. Um, so, it was like, after the – you know, Hogan said that after the first couple of uh, exchanges, the two of them, they sort of – looked and they found out the reactions and they, uh, they said the, the rock was very, you know, he said the rock was incredibly adaptable, more adaptable than anybody else that he'd ever worked with. And it took them three minutes to settle into a new direction. Like they were fighting in the ring and it took them three minutes to decide what to do in the middle of the ring. That doesn't surprise me coming from Hulk Hogan. It does not. Right. So things like him hulking up, was not in the plans because he, he, he didn't do that as Hollywood. That was a that was a Hulk Hogan thing. That was not a Hollywood Hogan thing. Well, so after, we'll get into after, it in greater yeah. detail. I mean, because after after WrestleMania 18, the NWO is disbanded, and Hulk Hogan comes back out in the in the red and yellow McDonald's colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, right. The the American hero. The American hero. So 
for everybody out there that's listening to this episode here of WrestleMania 18 for Call in the Ring here, presented by Movie Guys Podcast. If you are a fan of the Movie Guys verse and you've listened to our previous episode, pay per view of SummerSlam 2001, if you've not listened that one out, check it in our archives. Just go into the archive section and look for Call in the Ring, and you'll be able to see that. This is the same structure tonight. We're going to talk about all the matches. We're going to talk about the storylines leading up to the matches. And we're going to give our rating, just like they give the ratings now. Give a five-star wrestling match rating. We're going to give each match either a zero-star or a five-star rating. Concluding overall to an overall review of WrestleMania 18. But I guess we might as well get into it. I'm just going to get into the match first before we get into the storylines. Because we got a couple of matches here without really any storylines. Um... Ed, did you get a chance to watch Sunday Night Heat leading up to WrestleMania 18? No, I did not. No, I didn't. Okay, well, there is one match that did not air on WrestleMania 18. Sunday Night Heat was an interesting show. So uh, this is not a Sunday Night Heat episode. Of course, we will probably talk about Sunday Night Heat eventually in the future. Mm -hmm. But Sunday Night Heat aired on MTV originally. And Sunday Night Heat... Was a rest was an hour wrestling show. It wasn't a two hour show. It was an hour wrestling show on MTV on Sunday nights. Hence the name Sunday Night Eat. It was originally designed for people that couldn't buy pay per views. They would be there every Sunday, and then the Sunday of the pay per view, right? They would have a match, a la like a dark match in a way, but it's not a dark match because it's on Sunday Night Heat. But it's a match that doesn't count, you know, kind of thing. Sure. And they would do that on Sunday Night Heat. And uh, Sunday Night Heat started off an hour before WrestleMania. So now I guess if you want to watch wrestling nowadays, Sunday Night Heat would be considered the now kickoff show. Okay? Okay. Okay. But there was a match before WrestleMania started, and it was on Sunday Night Heat. It was a six-man tag team match with Jacqueline as a special guest referee. only lasted three minutes. And it was Albert, Rikishi, Scotty Tuhati against Lance Storm, Mr. Perfect, and Test. And Albert, Rikishi, and Scotty Tuhati defeated Lance Storm, Mr. Perfect, and Test. It wasn't a great match. It was just your quote-unquote dark match before getting things ready to go on Sunday Night Heat. Well, say about it. Well, think about neither do I because I didn't watch it. But think about Mr. Perfect of all people, of all of all the people in that match, Mr. Perfect not being the one in uh, on a legit WrestleMania card. You know what I mean? Like, don't you think he should have? He should have been one of the twelve people that won the the hardcore title at some point during the during the (laughs) event. I'm actually more, um, I, I guess I'm not a Mr. Perfect fan, but I'm actually more shocked about Test. What do you mean Test? about Test, Test not being? On the main card, yeah. I mean, he, did, he, he didn't have a storyline for five years. Well, of course not. And but, then he died. But, yeah, but Test is an interesting character because in 1999-2000, Stephanie McMahon was going to get married to Test on Raw. Mm-hmm. And they were getting married and everything in the ring. And then here comes Triple H and he shows the famous video of him marrying Stephanie. Yeah. So Vince McMahon had this huge storyline with Test and Stephanie. And and Test and Stephanie were not actually dating in real life, nothing like that. It was just a huge storyline. 
Mm-hmm. And then in uh, Survivor Series of 2001, November, just a few months prior to WrestleMania 18, they had um, I forget the I I forget the exact name of the match, but it was a WCW versus WWF Battle Royal match at Survivor Series in 2001, where the winner of the match would get immunity, so they will not lose their job, and Test won that match as okay. on the side of WCW. So let's, let's, okay. So there's no arguments right now because we're getting into the thick of it here, but the kickoff match, like it is with every WrestleMania that I can think of, there has been some that are not, but generally nine out of 10 times, they always started off with an intercontinental title match. And it was Rob Van Dam versus William Regal. And what do you think of this match? William Regal, what came in as the champion? Well, William Regal was always, always, always one of my favorite professional wrestlers. Always has been. Okay. I think he's incredibly technically sound. He, he, he gets the cheap heat very well. He's a great, great heel. Great on the mic. All around one of my all-time favorite in-ring and out-of-ring performers. That being said, and, and it's well documented on this show that I absolutely love ECW. Everything that ECW has ever produced, including, you know, Mr. Mr. Pay-Per-View, Mr. Monday Night, Mr. Anything and Everything You Want to, Mr. Friday Night, whatever you want to call him, RVD. The dude was probably the first legitimate, like, uh, I don't want to call him, maybe not the first legitimate uh, martial arts guy, but the first guy that sort of reminded you of, Jean-Claude Van Damme or, or, or Bruce Lee, that kind of thing. And he was one of the, my favorite performers of that era. I liked what I like William Regal more. And uh, I think I like when I see William Regal win, especially when he cheats to win. Like he, he pulls he pull, ends up pulling out a second Nux, you know, second set of Nux in this, uh, in this match that he, that they underutilized. I think they must've had to take it home because these first couple matches are like six minutes because they know what they've got coming up. So they've got to put, you know, they, they know that they've got some time constraints. So I would have liked to have seen this match do a little bit more for me or do a little bit more. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a two and a half star rating me personally, only because I would have liked this to have gone longer and maybe have seen uh, the, like the DDP Christian match cut down by half. To the, that to a three minute match or, or something along those lines, but I mean they did what they could with the time straight with the time frame that they had. I just again I would have liked to have seen William Regal come out on top with the belt by cheating, and I didn't get and you just yeah that wasn't that wasn't what happened. Now, okay, so my 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 two cents on this is that William Regal to me uh, is only known as two things. He is, uh, to me, he is known as the first general manager or commissioner of Raw. He was that back in the day. I remember watching him doing that. And we got to talk about Survivor Series 2001. Eventually, we got to get to that pay-per-view. But, you know, in July of 2001, they had the Invasion Mm pay-per-view. And then at Survivor Series in 2001, it was the winner-take-all, right? Mm -hmm. Whoever won, WWF. The reason I'm bringing that up is because with William Regal, I will always remember uh, the day after Survivor Series on Monday Night Raw, he's the first 
person to officially join the very famous and very prestigious Vince McMahon Kiss My Ass Club. <laughs> did you do you remember that? I do now that you bring it up, I remember that. I didn't yeah, up to up until you brought it up, but I remember now. Vince McMahon pulled down his pants literally on Raw. He showed his 50-year-old ass. And yes, William Regal kissed Vince McMahon's ass. I just found that funny. Uh, my problem with this match is that you got RVD against an old British guy. I mean, like RVD should go against an Edge, a Christian, maybe a maybe a Lance Storm, uh, you know, maybe like a Kurt Angle, you know, those kind of guys. Uh, William Regal and comparing to RVD going head to head just doesn't seem like a match. I mean, William Regal would be better going against you know guys in the card for WrestleMania. He will go together against. Maven or Booker T. Um, well, it just you gotta, I, I agree with I agree with that to a certain degree. Uh, Rob Van Dam, as stated, is very athletic, and William Regal is a street fighter. Like William Regal grew up on you know grew up as a, as a bare knuckle boxer. He was a bare knuckles fighter. He was not very athletic. He was not much like a guy like like Jake the Snake Roberts. The guys that grew up fighting not wrestling then discovered wrestling they weren't very good technical wrestlers but you know like i understand why they went that direction i just i agree that they they could have had if they would have say flipped the ddp christian and william regal and rvd matches like maybe had ddp not as the european champ but you know going for the intercontinental champ championship and then RVD versus Christian or something along those lines, it might've been a more entertaining match. So yeah, I can agree with that. I myself am going to give the RVD William Regal match uh, definitely a one star. It, it was just, it was entertaining and it did not do it justice to me since WrestleMania is the Super Bowl of WWF at the time. Uh, and I'm going to keep on saying WWF in this episode because this is the last pay-per-view where they will use WWF after WrestleMania 18, they start doing the WWE stuff, but um, it's, it's, it, it just, it just seemed out of sorts. I just didn't care for it. Um, I just didn't like overall the match. And if you're going to start off your WrestleMania, you got to start off big, sure. you know, like, you know, like, like any modern, album for for music your first two hits are always the first two tracks then you got your bullshit in the middle and then you got your big tracks again at the end of the album it's to get you there it's that roller coaster and this did not get me excited it did not another match that didn't get me excited was ddp versus christian for the european title ddp comes in as the european champion so think about this ed our last pay-per-view that we reviewed was SummerSlam 2001, and this is WrestleMania 18 in March of 2002. This is only seven months later, mm-hmm. right? Right. Seven months ago, which it's, it's a long time, but it's not. DDP and Canyon were stalking Undertaker's wife, and they had a <laughs> fucking cage match and all this shit, and now DDP is second on the card, and he's the European title champion against Christian? Like, what? Oh. They don't know what they're doing with DDP. <laughs> they never have. 
And we established that when we talked about the invasion and we talked about that pay-per-view and we talked about, you know, the, 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 our last pay-per-view episode. They had no idea what to do with DDP. So they, I guess they took some sort of a realistic level of, 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 of his personality. Like, he is kind of a happy-go-lucky guy now, anyway. He does yoga for old, for old wrestlers, DDP yoga for, like, old fat people like, like me and you. Sure. Um, Thank you. You know, he he actually helped Scott Hall uh, get clean. Finally, he was he was one of those always supportive kinds of kinds of guys. So I guess that, you know, that happy ish character that, you know, they contrasted it with Christian having, you know, temper tantrums and whatnot. I mean, I, I yeah, I mean, they. They, WWE, WWE or WWF and WWE both. They're they're very good at taking events and just forgetting they ever happened. Yeah, just like Hollywood <laughs> does with movies. Yeah, All the <laughs> movies don't exist. This one exists. Yeah, yeah. So they took DDP. This where they put turned him into a guy who was stalking the Undertaker's wife, and then all of a sudden he's this happy-go-lucky guy. Forget about why he turned that way. Forget about it. Don't worry about it. But like. He, that was the character he was that, at that point. And he did his job. I mean, DDP went out and did his job, as did Christian. So you can't be – I can't be too upset, you know. Well, I'm just but, upset because, again, this is the second match in the card, and I am not into it yet. There's not the hype. There's not the love. There's not the what's going to happen like it was at WrestleMania 17. So far – Vince McMahon is dropping the ball with me. This match is is zero star. Like, it's not a good match for me. So I'm going to give this one officially a zero star. Like, it's not good. And right now, as I'm watching WrestleMania 18, I'm at the edge of my seat wondering what's going to happen next. Right now, I'm lounging back. I'm getting halfway drunk on whiskey, wondering when the Hulk Hogan match is going to come because I'm bored. I'm bored at this moment. And, you know, that's kind of the problem you run into when you have a match of the magnitude that is that was billed as Stone Cold versus, or excuse me, I'm sorry, The Rock versus uh, Hulk Hogan, right? Like, even in WrestleMania 18, like, the hype for Stone Cold versus The Rock, like, that was a huge hype. But it's hard to live up to the hype that's coming when you know, when you know what's coming. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't give it a zero star, personally. I would, I would give it, like, maybe one and a half stars. Well, see, now, uh, this is where I'm going to disagree with you. This is where I'm going to disagree with you respectfully. Um, regardless that the match that people want to see is Stone Cold versus Scott Hall or The Rock versus Hogan or Triple H versus Jericho, regardless of those three big events, right? Sure. You are wrestle-fucking-mania. Every match needs to be, if not great, entertaining. Every match needs to be at the edge of your seat. What is going to happen next? Because it's wrestling. That's how it is now. This past WrestleMania, WrestleMania, what, 34 in New Orleans? It was great because you did not know what's going to happen. And at this point, I think in 2002, the WWF was just at 
a kind of a standstill, I guess I would argue with you, Ed. Well, you got to remember, up at this, up until this point, Vince had an enemy. He had something to, he had a bar to beat or match. And at this point, he's no longer had it for a year. So he doesn't have, he was probably, and, and, and TNA hadn't, hadn't grown into what it was. I don't even know if it started yet because, you know, they weren't losing guys to, to Jeff Jarrett yet. I don't think, I don't, I don't think. Um, so you've got to realize like there's nothing pushing these guys, unfortunately at this point. So yeah, I mean, WWE, WWF at this point was at a lull. They didn't have anything to look forward to. They did not have any competition. They're kind of like where they're at now. To a I'm certain... gonna disagree now. I'm gonna disagree now. But anyway, well, what I do you mean? Like, I mean, I don't know that they're better or worse now, but it's in the same same place. Like, no, no, I, I will, I will argue with you on that one. No, I mean, like, I think, I think nowadays the WWF. Okay, how about this? Better choice of words. I understand that you would say that they're at a standstill right now, but I think the card of wrestlers that they have, the roster on both Raw and SmackDown, is just as great as it was in the Attitude Era. We have a lot. This is this is the second coming of the Attitude Era when it comes to the depth of the roster. I mean, the depth Very of the strong. roster, sure, but Jesus fucking Christ, the wrestling is so boring. We've You and I have spent... Hours talking about how if we have to see a fucking Brock Lesnar Roman Reigns match one more fucking time, well, I'm going to cancel my WWE Network subscription. No, oh, I, I I fucking get that, but 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 I just I'm I am here to watch my wrestlers, and you know when I see a Seth Rollins, a Dolph Ziggler, a Finn Balor, you know um, I'm I, I'm not a fan, but he is a draw. You got Roman Reigns now, and the women's division is just amazing. I mean, you got, you got Kevin Owens as well. I mean, like you got some they're, great people. Yeah, they're under. Here's my point: they they don't know how to use what they've got. You know what I mean? Like Seth Rollins is, fucking bores me. Awesome. Roman Reigns bores me. Well, Roman Reigns um, bores me, not Seth Rollins. He's cool. well, Seth Seth Rollins bores me, and he and and he bores me for the same reason a lot of other wrestlers today do is although the matches that they put on are pretty good like the whole you know a lot of like what just happened where they fucking they off the hell in a cell where they you could you could see it happening that's my problem they these wrestlers although they have to and i i i'm i'm maybe it's just me being an adult watching it versus as a kid watching it sure they're protecting themselves in a way that nobody that they never did before you know, wow. yes, yes. Mick Foley was in control of the fall when the Undertaker threw him over the top of the, threw him off the hell in a cell, right? That, I mean, I'm not asking somebody to do that. I'm just not asking you to, you and the Miz, to look at each other in the eyes and go one, two, three, and then jump off the fucking hell in a cell. Valid, but you, and you I, know what I mean. Like Seth uh, Rollins has hit. Yes, he's got a lot of injuries in his career, and he's trying to protect his body. I respect that. I, I mean, I totally respect that. But like, there's no spontaneity in the things that are going to happen. You knew the second the shield came out and walked up to the top of the fucking cage. Yeah, 
that that there was going to be that they somebody was going to get fall off and they were going to fall off onto the table. Like you just knew it was going to happen. Well, how about this? But, I was, was going to say, just to go back to WrestleMania 18, we'll just end it on, 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 on this note. I think the reason why it's different for us now is because we've seen it all. They can't surprise us like they did with King of the Ring 98 when it came to Undertaker or Mankind. That was a surprise. Mm-hmm. It happened. They can't surprise us like they did with WrestleMania 17. That was a surprise when Vince McMahon and Stone Cold turned heel. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just a surprise. They don't do that because we know it. Like the whole argument of why is it okay to show blood and guts on TV, network television, but it's not okay to show tit? Well, because we have become desensitized to horror. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I I guess my last argument would be hostile, right? When, Mm -hmm. uh, When the hostile first came out, I was in high school, and I was like, this is the most bloodiest, gory thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm scared to death. This is terrible. Mm-hmm. Now you watch Hostel and you're like, well, I was scared of this shit. Yeah, yeah. That's, 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 that's kind of what I'm saying here, Ed. It's like, we've seen it all before. Nothing comes to a shock anymore. And that's maybe, a- and you know what? Maybe that's right. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm, I'm just not getting, because yeah, maybe I've seen everything there is to see in professional wrestling. And yeah, I hope that that's not true. <laughs> I really hope that that's not true, because ass. yeah, I mean, I just, I, I like, I think you know they're they're just they're overutilizing guys like Roman Reigns and they're underutilizing guys like Finn Balor. Okay, sure. Finn Balor is exciting to watch. Roman Reigns is not. WWE puts Roman Reigns in the title match. They don't. They put Finn Balor in there only because they realized they have to, because he was the first ever universal champ, you know, and he deserves to be back there. He deserves to be in the conversation as opposed to, and let's face it, Braun Strowman. Well, you know what? Do you, do you know who not deserves to be part of the conversation? Who? All due respect, fucking Maven. The, oh, the third it, card on the list, oh, we got Maven, who oh. was the hardcore champion. Going against Gold Dust for the hardcore title, a three-minute match. Before I get into it, zero star again. Zero star. And I, I want mean, the fans to listen to this very carefully. I never gave a SummerSlam match a zero star. So far at WrestleMania 18, I've given the DDP Christian match a zero star and the Maven Gold match and the Gold uh, Gold Dust match a zero star. Fuck Maven. You've got to like you've got to remember that I don't know if WWF WWE still had or yeah, WWF had a contract to promote Maven at WrestleMania like that was part of the thing they had with with MTV for the tough for tough enough. Sure. Right. I this that specific match. Well, I mean, if you're only talking about the the bulk of the match, Maven when Gold. they had it, maybe if you're only talking Maven Goldust, and you're not talking the entire in the entire drama that was the Hardcore Championship at WrestleMania, then sure that match was shit. Maven was not good. Maven was never good. Maven won tough enough because Al Snow liked him. Sure, okay, but. Goldust is one of the all-time 
top 100 greatest professional wrestlers of all time. I will totally agree with you on that sentence. I mean, uh, maybe I'm not saying he's top 50, but he might be. Maybe I mean, 69 he's... or 70. <laughs> weird. Yeah, he's but he forget about the, the antics and forget about how they never really gave him the run he's deserved. He's been a fantastic fucking character, a great wrestler, and they've never given him the due he's deserved. Let's be honest about that, right? For the first time in a long time, I will agree again with that sentence. That I'm agreeing with you on. But to put him in a match with Maven was trying to put Maven over when they there's nothing they could do. During they put Maven in a match with fucking Triple H. They a did tag, and a tag match like two weeks prior to that. It was it was Maven and Triple H versus fucking. Who fucking Jer- Jericho uh, and somebody else, right? Jer- yeah, Jericho and probably some fucking giant or something. I don't fucking I don't even remember. But like, or the Undertaker. It was it was uh, it was Chris Jericho and the Undertaker versus uh, or Kane, one of the two. And for, like they tried to put Maven over so hard, it just didn't fucking work. The dude was athletic. He was a poor man, Shelton Benjamin. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, that is, that is, oh my God. So, uh, call in the ring is no longer an argument. Call in the ring is now 100% on agreements with each other. <laughs> we, you'll oh. have that. We'll have that from time to time. So, okay. So, go with Maven here. Tough mm-hmm. enough. 2001, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go on for a second here, but I really want the fans of Call in the Ring here to understand where I'm coming from. I want you to understand where I'm coming from because, Ed, you and I are the same age. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're both 31. Um, 2000 and, and 2000 and 2001 was a very interesting period in my life. Uh, in 2000, I'm 13 years old. In 2001, I'm 14 years old. In 2000, I go through what every person in the world has ever gone through. You got the ugly phase where, you're, where your adult body is trying to take over your childlike body and you look like a fucking <laughs> idiot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You just look weird sure. um, and you're awkward. And so what I had going for me was... Hard music, which would be corn, drowning pool, who does this, you know, saliva, and all the bands that are advertised in, in WWF at this time and, and, and whatnot. And uh, my parents had their reality shows, Survivor and Amazing Race, right? Mm-hmm. Well, at this period in time, I was all about MTV. We had TRL. We had fucking spanking new music week. Everything was MTV. Hell, we established that uh, in April of 2001, I was at New. I was in Manhattan, only a few months before the towers fell, and I was at TRL with everybody going woo outside with my 50 year old mother who didn't understand what the fuck was going on. And my and then my rant is, tough enough was my shit. The first two seasons was my shit. This was this was my survivor, right? This was my reality show. Mm-hmm. I watched Tough Enough all the fucking time because this was pre-internet before it became huge and this is before dirt sheets really became what they are now and everything but this was a look 
behind the scenes of wrestling, which you never got a chance to see. You never broke kayfabe, right? Right, right, right. right. So we got a chance to see what it's like to be a wrestler. Because, of course, at 13 years old, you're watching WWF, and you're like, I want to be a wrestler. And then you watch Tough, and you're like, I don't want to be a wrestler. Fuck that shit. You know what? The the first season actually – because I was – let's see, I was – I was 12 because in 2001, I was, cause I, so like I, you were 14. I, huh? You were 14. We're the same no, age. I, I, bro, I graduated. I was eight. I graduated high school 2006. I was, I was 18. All right. Fuck me then. All right. So 2001. But anyway, um, I, I fucking loved the first season of Tough Enough. Right. Okay. You know what I mean? And, and if you look like the people that that came out of Tough Enough, like fucking Josh Matthews, who's now in uh, not he's in Global Force, I think. Uh, Chris Nowis- uh, Chris Nowiski, who's now out of wrestling, and he's like the the uh, the the CTE guy, right? Mm-hmm. They were in the first season. Uh, fucking uh, Kenny King out of Ring uh, Ring, of, uh, Ring of Honor. Is was in the second season. Um, fucking, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Johnny Nitro, he was John Morrison in the WWE. Johnny Nitro was in the third season. Yep. Um, fucking, uh, the Miz was in the the was in the fourth season, the million dollar season they had. Uh, Ryback was in the fourth season. Um, fuck, I don't even. I, there was a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. There was a lot. But it's like, but Maven, nothing against the guy. Yeah. Fuck him. He's like Roman Reigns for me right now. It's like, cool, but fuck you. Like, it, it's, it's, it's great that Maven won tough enough. It's great that he got a shot. But the motherfucker eliminated the Undertaker at the Royal Rumble in January leading up to <laughs> WrestleMania 18. Yeah, they did. And they made the Undertaker... Beat the shit out of him. <laughs> Which is why people don't respect him. Because if Maven would have eliminated the Undertaker and then lasted a while and then been eliminated by somebody else, I don't think people like me right now will be saying, you know, 20 some years later, whatever, 10 years or whatever, fuck Maven. But it's mm-hmm. because after he eliminated the Undertaker, because after he eliminated the Undertaker at Royal Rumble, Maven just becomes a fucking joke. You're like, wow. Because his career ended like shortly after WrestleMania 18. Like and not, and you you got to remember that match was added to the card the day before the show. That was added Saturday. Which because, one? Because match. Yeah, Al Snow beat Goldust on Raw the week before to become the Hardcore Championship. Yeah. Then the next night, lost it to Maven. You know, before but we... but at SmackDown, he was on SmackDown, not the next night. He, he lost it. Al Snow lost it to Maven on SmackDown. So there was, you know, that that match was added to the card the night before. The most well, entertaining part about the that, that heartless uh, in its entirety, the hardcore match. First of all, Spike Dudley coming down and doing the first ever Money in the Bank style thing, and then you had people, you know, a hundred people come fight people you know during throughout the whole event that was rather than have people do promos they had a hardcore match 
yeah. every 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 ten minutes. <laughs> so let's talk about that before we get into the storylines, because the next match we're going to get into the storylines. But let's talk about the hardcore title. When I was a 13, 14 year old guy, I loved the hardcore title. Thought it was great. Now, as I watch all these old pay per views leading up to the Call in the Ring episodes with you, now I fucking hate it. Uh, the fucking hardcore <laughs> title debuted November second in nineteen ninety eight, and it was retired August twenty sixth of two thousand two. So only a few short months after WrestleMania eighteen. I, I mean, the twenty four seven rule is stupid. And I thought it was awesome. It was so cool. Well, we'll argue about that, but. But for the fans that don't know, what the what the twenty four seven rule was is exactly what it is. Is that unlike any other title, you could be sleeping in your hotel room, and here comes Mick Foley kicking the shit out of you and get the title. You know, Hits you in the head with a cookie tin. Ridiculous! <laughs> it is ridiculous. Uh, there has been so many uh, hardcore champions. I mean, for an example, we got some ridiculous ones. This is why. I just wanted to talk about it because this title is just not cool. Like, for an example, right? I'm just looking at the list here. The 36th winner of the hardcore title was uh, was on Raw on May 5th, 2000 in Cleveland, Ohio. And it was, and this is what it says, one of Godfather's hoes was the yeah. hardcore title. And Crash Holly. And the rain only lasted for 15 seconds. I mean, come the fuck off. The, there were officially, and I'm looking at it now, 240 hard, WWF hardcore champions when Rob Van Dam unified it with the Intercontinental Championship. Yes. And it looks I mean, like it looks like <laughs> Raven. Raven had 17 reigns as the hardcore title champion. The last it, it, Crash Holly had 20. Raven had no Raven had more than that. Raven had 20 some. The Raven had 27. The last winner, though, was Rob Van Dam on August 26th on Raw in New York City. He was the four-time winner and he won it there. The most reigns uh of all time here uh would have been uh Raven has 27, Crash Holly had 22, and Bradshaw had 17. Steven Richards. At 21. Let's talk about Stephen Richards real quick. Big uh, Bossman Rich- held it for 97 days, by the way. That's the longest ever reign. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Steve Blackman had it, and it was uh, 172 days. Oh, I mean, uh, the, the list I'm looking at, I just looked up a list. I just Googled a list. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know this off the top of my head, but what I'm from what I'm seeing, Big Bossman was the 13th tight champion, held it, held it, uh, held it a few times, and was had it for 97 days. Now, just remember, everybody, Stephen Richards was the leader of Right to Censor. Just so you know. your favorite, your favorite. Yeah, Right to Fucking Censor. I love that fucking group. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's our that's our kind of conclusion. Uh, you didn't give me your star rating for the Maven, Maven Gold Dust match. Oh, what, the what, Maven what Gold Dust. Sure? The Maven Gold Dust match was a star, star and a half. But the the entirety of the entertainment that came following that, Molly Holly won it. Fucking. Uh, uh, hurricane, the hurricane. The yeah, hurricane. my man, my man, look out! There's a hurricane coming through. My wife <laughs> was watching WrestleMania 18 with me to prepare for this review, and she doesn't know old old, old school wrestling. And she's like, "What's this guy's like? Oh, this is the hurricane. He's awesome!" And she and and she turns her head and looks at me and cocks it. It looks at me like I'm stupid. And she's like, "This guy is cool." 
whatever. Fuck you. Stand back. There's a hurricane. hurricane. My favorite. I love the hurricane. Uh, no, the, the the entirety of 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 the hardcore drama. That was that was legitimately three and a half to four stars for me. The entire hardcore drama from Christian to to Al Snow running up trying to run over a bunch of boxes. Yeah, trying to run, <laughs> he ran boxes over a bunch of boxes. There, random boxes. There, yeah, random just just. Ra- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, anything with Spike Dudley and it's fantastic. They underused underutilized Spike Dudley. That was another one they underutilized, but. Yeah, I mean that match. That match specifically, even though it was the match that's officially on the card, that was, was that match was stupid. Yeah, it was just, it was but, a bad match. Zero stars. Yeah, I mean I give it a star and a half. But the entire drama or surrounding the hardcore title, I would give it. I, I I'm, I'm up there. <laughs> I'm up there. Well, let's go to the fourth card of the match. We got some storylines here coming now because we watched the other ones leading up to it here. But we got Kurt Angle versus Kane. And just a standard singles match, no title. This match lasted for 10 minutes and 45 seconds. Let's talk about Kurt Angle for a second. Kurt Angle is very confusing to me. How Vince McMahon does his business is just confusing. Like, I would love, and it will never happen, but for calling in the ring, I would love to go to Connecticut at the WWF headquarters and sit down with Vince McMahon for six hours and just pick his brain. Because... Seven months prior at SummerSlam, Kurt Angle was the hero. We reviewed that pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. He he came out with a standing ovation against Stone Cold Steve Austin for the WWF title. People loved Kurt Angle seven months prior. And now for WrestleMania 18, he goes against Kane and they start the you suck chant, which has been going on since even today. Yes. Isn't that fascinating that seven months prior, he was beloved. People loved him. And this was pre 9-11 because it was August of 01. He, you know, like the whole Patriot thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Seven months later, he's fourth card at WrestleMania against Kane. Now, he did go against Triple H at the Royal Rumble in January of 2002. And it was him and Triple H. And Triple H ended up ultimately winning the Royal Rumble, which is why he'll be the main event of the, of the pay-per-view. But then he's in No Way Out. He has, a, uh, you know, he has a chance. He fails. Kane comes in, fucks around and stuff like that. I mean, what happened with Kurt Angle? Why was he such a star seven months prior at SummerSlam 01? And now he's hated what happened um i honestly i don't remember the moment that they turned him i don't i don't um i know he was champ for a while up through there and he was the grand slam winner but uh during you know but then all of a sudden i i don't know i don't remember why he turned i i don't i i fans please at us on twitter uh, at Movie Guys Podcast, because I do not remember why they why he turned heel or how he turned heel. I know, like later, him and Brock Lesnar were like a team, uh, and that, but that was after this, you know. And he was uh, he stayed with WWE up through 2006. Maybe it was because he was he was constantly injury injury prone. Like he, that's neck. why. Yeah, and that's why, like in 2006, that's why he left. 
because Vince said, I have to retire you. You could break your neck and die in my ring. And I refused to let you do that. And that's when he went to TNA. He went to TNA, so just so we know the timeline. 2006. In 2006. Yep. So, and uh, by the way, some fucking matches with – some of the matches he had with Scott Steiner, like, they were fan-fucking-tastic. And AJ Styles – AJ Styles back in 2006 was what you – was the most raw talent I've ever seen in a, in a wrestling ring before. Legit. Like legit, but um, and he was in W. He was he was there for for TNA for ten fucking years. Um, through two thousand sixteen, I think I think off and on, he was winning titles through two thousand sixteen, if I remember right. So well, I mean, I Vince was wrong about the dude's neck, but yeah, true. Well, I mean. It's, Kurt Angle overall, uh, just kind of give it like an idea here. Uh, here's a list for everybody here. Kurt Angle was a TNA World Heavyweight Champion three times. He was a WWE Champion four times. He was a WCW World Heavyweight Champion once. Um, he was an IWGP World Heavyweight Champion once. He was an NWA World Champion once. So he has won 11 World championships when it comes to professional wrestling um he goes against kane uh which is fine but because kane is a gimmick wrestler he is i mean that's just who kane is they right. needed i mean we talked about him for a long time we did we had an old episode dedicated yeah, he's yeah go go fans if you haven't listened to that go download our kane episode and you'll hear what i'm about to basically sum up in the next 30 seconds mm-hmm. is that kane's entire career was designed to put people over. And Kane, when you have Kurt Angle versus Kane at WrestleMania, this needed to be 100%. This needed to be a cage match. There was no specialty matches besides later in the card when we get a four corners elimination match. But other than that, WrestleMania, you got Kane. He's a gimmick wrestler going against Kurt Angle. The reason why they have a feud is because Kane fuck Kurt Angle's chance to become, uh, you know, number one contender for WrestleMania 18. So that's mm. why they have their thing. Have a cage match. Like, you know, fuck, do something instead of just the singles match. I'm not saying I hated the match. I'm just saying, fuck, since Kane is a gimmick wrestler, give me a gimmick match. That's what I wanted to see. Kane versus Kurt Angle in a cage match at WrestleMania 18. That would have been great. Would have been great. Yeah, I mean, the thing was, is this match was still a good match. I oh, mean, no, yeah, it was a good match. Kane, I'm just saying, fuck. Kane, yes, Kane, as I said, Kane's entire career was designed to put people over, right? He was the bad guy, then he was the good guy, then he was the really good guy, then he was the really bad guy, then he was the cool guy, then he's the bad guy, now he's the good guy, right? Like, that's, <laughs> but but he, it, it's always been, who can I go put, who can I put over? Who, what star do I need, what star do we need to beat? the biggest guy in the room, right? At that time, that was Kurt Angle. You know, he had already, I understand that he had already had his, the beginning of his run. You know what I mean? Um, And this was sort of the end of his, of his, of his titles, of his title runs in WWE, right? The beginning of the end. It wasn't the end, but it was the beginning of the end. 
Right. So like the dude, they need to give him something. They that's it. And they who are who else? Uh, they can't put it. Who are they going to put him with? Are they going to give him the Undertaker instead when they needed to put him over? Are they going to give him Ric Flair instead when they when you need to, they're trying to make Ric Flair a face? Are they going to give him Booker T? They already did that. <laughs> you know oh, what I mean. Man. You know I'm what I mean. This is so, a match. They just need to do a cage match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't agree or disagree with you. I don't know that, it, that the rivalry merited a cage match, but at the same time, I, if they would have done something, the match could have been a four and a half star match. Instead, for me, it's a three and a half star match. I'm not going to agree with you. Three and a half. I'm going to go one step below, and I'm going to go with the three star match. It was fun. Anything with Kurt Angle, you're going to get fun. Kurt Angle is a very good wrestler, so he knows what he's doing in the ring. And Kane, you know, Kane is a good wrestler, too. We've already talked about him in our episodes. Make sure to go to movieguyspodcast.com and go to our archives, call it in the ring, and you can see our uh, – you actually can download listen to our episode that's dedicated to Strictly Kane. But, uh, I mean, I'm, overall, it wasn't a bad match. Now I'm starting to get excited. Okay, so the RVD-William Regal match I was not interested in. The DDD, the DDP Christian match, I didn't give a fuck about. I certainly didn't give a fuck about the Maven Goldust match. But now the fourth card on the on the on the pay per view for WrestleMania 18, you got Kurt Angle versus Kane. It should have been a cage match or something. It was a regular singles match. Kurt Angle ultimately defeats Kane by putting his feet on the ropes to defeat him on that one. The fifth card in the match, we got a good storyline here. We got the Undertaker versus Ric Flair. And a no disqualifications match. This match is the longest match for WrestleMania 18 at 18 minutes and 47 seconds. Our storyline is going to start here now, fans. But we got Undertaker who comes into WrestleMania 18 as 9 and 0. That's what they start advertising. Undertaker mm-hmm. ultimately wins this match and he becomes 10 and 0. So the storyline pretty much is that Undertaker. Is in a match, uh, I believe at No Way Out. Ric Flair comes out, gets a lead pipe, hits Undertaker on it, and fucks his shit up. Undertaker goes up to Ric Flair and says, hey, look, dude, uh, you fucked my shit up. I want a match with you at WrestleMania, yes or no. And Ric Flair says, no, I'm Raw and SmackDown. Uh, Undertaker says, okay, well, fuck you. So then he goes uh, uh, and beats the fuck out of Arn Anderson. Rick, and, Rick Flair's best friend. Yeah. Rick Flair's best friend. And then he goes and beats up David Flair, who was Rick Flair's son. God rest his soul. He's now dead. Is he dead? I, yeah, I, yeah, he's another I heard, one. Of guys. I heard. I heard that. Uh, I heard that. Um, that one of one of his children were were passed away, but I don't know it was David. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure David Flair was was the one. I'm pretty sure he was the one that uh, that OD'd. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. I'm. I could be wrong, but uh, yeah, you are. Maybe I am uh, wrong. Maybe his re his other son David, is re. Yeah, yeah. That that son is David Flair is right now 39 years old. Uh, he lives in Shelby, North Carolina, and he's been married since 1998. Okay. Reed is his half brother. Well, because Ric Reed. Flair was styling and profiling and halfway across halfway across the country. <laughs> Reed Flair was born on February 26, 1988. 
He died March 29, 2013, at the age of 25 in North Carolina of an overdose of heroin. So David Flair was the one that was introduced in this one. Um, And just so everybody knows, David Flair debuted on WCW January 17, 1999, and he retired officially from wrestling May 15th of 2009. Um, I like this match. Uh, Anything with Undertaker, I'm going to like. This match wasn't terrible. It wasn't the greatest match on the card. Uh, we all knew Undertaker was going to win it. Um, but Ed, how do you feel about Undertaker going complete heel and psychotic, a la DDP in a way, and just saying, I'm going to attack everything that you love until you say yes to WrestleMania? What do you feel about that? Well, as I've gone in length talking about before, every character needs a refresh or they'll go stale, right? The Undertaker was one of them. But, God, I, I hate this. I hated the American Badass Undertaker. As a kid, I liked it, but looking back, it's like, wait a minute. You're a fucking Undertaker. Why are you a biker now? Like, he was a biker. And that's why he went and beat up Ric Flair's kid and beat up Arn Anderson, because he's a biker. You know, like, they, that was the character they gave him. The Dead Man Inc. bullshit, you know, like, he was a biker. And I was not a fan of that at all. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, they he fucking beat the piss out of Ric Flair. So He, he beat the piss out of him. So let's, let's talk about Undertaker, Dead Man Inc. real quick. Undertaker, according to the Dirt Sheets, and according to other podcasts that I've listened to about wrestling, Undertaker went to Vince McMahon and said, hey, look, dude, uh, I want to change it up. Uh, I love motorcycles. I want to do something. Dead Man Inc. This is not a Vince McMahon creation. This is all Undertaker. Really? This is all Undertaker. This is what he wanted to do. Um, and the only thing I disagree with is choice. And I am a fan. I am going live on air and saying that I, I you know what? I'm not a fan now, but I was. I, I was. I was a hardcore fan of Limp Bizkit. So for Undertaker to come out with the Limp Biscuit song rolling, I mean, like, this guy was awesome. This guy was. For those of you guys that didn't know Jordan 10 years ago, he literally every single day wore a red Yankees cap. Just point this point that out. And I will say this on air. And I can't believe. That was 10 years ago, not 20 years ago. (laughs) I would have said this 10 years ago. I can't believe I'm saying this 20 years ago. I couldn't believe I'm saying this. But fuck Limp Biscuit, and I will say you this. I like their music. I really did. Um, I fuck personal things about people think about Fred Durst or people think about this guy or whatever, whatever. Because I think the next WrestleMania, WrestleMania 19, they have Limp Biscuit as the main uh, theme song. Um, like they had at WrestleMania 17, which was my way from their album Chocolate Starfish, Hot to Flavor Water. Um, but the reason why I say it now is because hear me out, everybody. Let's just forget about how you feel about Fred Durst. Forget about how you feel as the band members individually. As overall music, it was great for a 14-year-old kid. Would you agree with that, Ed? It was great for a 14-year-old kid. Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of teenage angst, and I was, you know, rolling, 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 rolling. What? Right? You know what I mean? Let's get off the nookie. Let's get some faith, right? 
The reason why that I hate Limp Biscuit now was because in 2012, they came out with an album called Gold Cobra. And the album was, of course, not a success. It had, but for fans, it was a success. You know, when it comes to money and overall, it was not a success. But for us fans, we enjoyed it, right? Mm-hmm. It was the old hardcore Limp Bizkit kind of song. They've been saying since 2012 that their new album, which is titled Stampede of the Disco Elephants, <clears throat> coming out. And it was since 2012, it's not 2018, and the album hasn't even come out. There's no album. It's the Chinese democracy of rap metal. That's what people are calling it. <laughs> people are calling it the Chinese democracy of, of rap new metal. And I'm not a fan. Fuck you. I am the guy who still buys your shit, and you don't come out with new shit, I'm done. So, But at the time with The Undertaker, let's go back to wrestling here. At the time with uh, Undertaker coming out with the bike, with Roland by Lip Biscuit, I mean, I had that album. Everybody had that album, Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavor. Robert, fuck you if you said you didn't if you're listening to this. Yes, you did. Well, I just I did it all for the Nookie, so I didn't. Because guess what? You had that album, and you're fucking, look at how big my dick is, CD binder thing that you had to bring to school. <laughs> It was, yeah. <laughs> but you had it in your car. You know, Excuse me, Mrs. Smith, can I play this mixed this mixed album I made of all my favorite songs? And it's just three right? songs and, and, a, it, and, a, and a rage song. <laughs> and you were so excited for your friends to come into your car because they're going to see in the back seat that fucking 500 CD binder. Oh, God, yeah. Skim oh. through it and go, oh, play this album, play this album, play this I album. Was, I was the poor kid. I was the poor kid. So my entire, my, my thing was, it was, it was, uh, I had a bunch of like little tiny ones that didn't have one big one. I couldn't afford one big one. I had a bunch of little tiny CD binders, but I know exactly what you were talking about. Exactly. That's what it was. So before I continue on with WrestleMania 18 and everything, I guess my ending rant with CDs, I Limp Bizkit and shit. You may dog on Fred Durst and Limp Bizkit now, but you know back at WrestleMania 18 on, in March of 2002, you were a fan, and you know you were. Everybody's listening to the show. You knew you were. You had the fucking album right next to your Shaggy album. It wasn't me. It was there. <laughs> if she caught me on the counter, it wasn't it me. It wasn't me. It was right next to it. <laughs> they called me Mr. Right- Boom Bostic. Fairly fantastic. It was right next to your Beck album of Hey, I'm a Loser, Baby. Next year, Which, Marilyn by the way, by the way, by the way, that whole song he made up because he was making fun of rap. I'm he, sure just, he, he made that, he he recorded that song in his in his living room or in his kitchen or something, just fucking around. They added, they added uh, the music later because he was just fucking around. I believe it. So that was, I'm not sorry. <laughs> ahead, I'm ahead. sorry to call in the ring fans here. I just, you know, it's just. We went on a music rant for five, no, ten yeah, minutes. But I guess the reason why that I'm saying this about the Undertaker-Rick Flair match is that I remember, you know, people dogging, you know, on like Lip Biscuit and shit with Undertaker and back in the day and stuff in 2002. And it's just like, you liked it. So just, sure. just, just, just shut the fuck up. You liked it. <laughs> You know, we all had the Spice Girls album. Move on with your whoa, life. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now we're going a little, 
We're going a little bit too far in the right field there. Oh. You fucking did, and you know it. I didn't have the Spice Girl album because I didn't want my friends to make fun of me. However, I do know every single word to "Wannabe." So exactly, sucked my dick. So uh, <laughs> Undertaker and Ric Flair match was great. Uh, is it just me, or do I love Ric Flair's baby blonde, beautiful hair just being covered in blood? Uh, well, that's that like that's thing. like a Ric Flair thing. That, yeah, that was his thing. Like he, that dude would bleed for. If he had a if he had a pillow fight match, he would bleed. Oh yeah, because, no, it, looked, because it looks so good. Mm-hmm. You know what it, you know what I mean? It looks so good with his bleach blonde hair. So it he did. was the perfect bleeder. Perfect bleeder. Uh, yeah. Great match overall for what it was. Uh, I'm gonna give this one a three and a half star rating. Uh, it was it was a fun match. Always Undertaker, no matter what he is. If he's the Dead Man, if he's Dead Man Inc., if he's American Badass, or if he's Undertaker, just regular Undertaker. It's great to see him at a WrestleMania. Great match, 3.5 star. Ed, what are you going to give this one? I, uh, you know what? I actually am going to agree with you. I mean, I, I give it, I'm going to. Ed, what do you think about the Undertaker versus Ric Flair? What What is your star rating? Uh, I, you know, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to agree with you. I think I'm going to give it a three and a half star rating, man. You know, like is it was everything you wanted in Ric Flair. It was, like I said, it was everything you wanted in Ric Flair. I mean, I can't go into too much detail cause it's, it's just real specific like that. He got his ass fucking whooped and there's nobody better that took an ass whooping than 50 year old Ric Flair. Right. Especially days. Yeah, oh yeah, and like the match was what ten fucking minutes long? Like no, it was eighteen minutes of eight, you know, twenty yeah. longest match. Yeah. yeah, so like he got his ass whooped for fucking almost twenty minutes. Mm. And mm. he bled for most of it. So yeah, I mean absolutely that's a three and a half. I mean, I'm I think I'm being conservative. I mean didn't jump up and give it a four star match. That's what I'm wow. saying. Four star. Okay, for okay, so four star for you, three and a half for me. Uh, let's go to the sixth card on the on the uh, on the event here for WrestleMania 18, and after that we get into some storylines here. But we do got Edge versus Booker T in a singles match that lasted for six minutes and 32 seconds. Um, again, just a match that was thrown together. Um, a match that you know I guess I really didn't care about. It wasn't for a title. There was no really storyline to it. Uh, but overall, I thought Booker T and Edge had a good match, so I'm going to give it a two and a half stars. I thought it was fine. Well, here's the here's the thing that they cut out of that, which I wish they never would have. This match was originally supposed to be a hair versus hair match because the storyline was is Edge beat out Booker T for a Japanese shampoo commercial. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Right, so that was – that would have made the match better. Uh, the match wasn't bad. I mean, you've got two legitimate five-star wrestlers in the ring at the same time who are, and let's just be honest, they're holding their own until the, the true card begins, right? Stone Cold versus Scott Hall, then the tag match, then the tag titles, then the match, right? Yeah. So they knew what they had. They put on a good enough match to – to make it tolerable. But I think the two of them, I don't know if maybe just they underperformed or what exactly happened, but man, this is a tough one. Um, they did have a botch. Uh, did you see the botch when uh, no, no. Booker T was on top of, uh, was the top of the ring post. 
And Edge comes in for a Herna Karana. Mm -hmm. And he flips him. But Booker T doesn't jump with it. And Booker T lands. Oh, yeah, yeah. You his Edge on his head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah I, I, and I paused and I rewound it. And I said, hey, Gina. Gina's my wife to all the fans out there in Call of the Ring. And she goes, what? I said, that was a botch. And she goes, what's a botch? And I was like, that's when they fuck up. Watch this. And she saw it and she goes, oh, how are they not dead? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> he did. Yeah, they did fuck up. He held, yeah, something happened. They fucked up. I remember that. So, yeah. That um, I mean, I, it, <sighs> I want to say two, I want to say two stars, but with two top level championship performers, you got to give them, you got to give them the home team, home field advantage. Like, you got to give them at least a half a star. So, two and a half stars. I agree with you. All right, fine. So let's get into the match that I want to talk about before we get into the big ones. The seventh match on the card, a match that I'm pretty upset about, but you got Stone Cold Steve Austin against Scott Hall for no title, for nothing, nothing. Just Stone Cold against Scott Hall for a singles match, and Scott Hall comes out uh, with Kevin Nash. The storyline leading up to this match, of course, on SmackDown and Raw was Stone Cold Steve Austin had a title match against uh, Chris Jericho at No Way Out in the February pay-per-view. If he wins, he gets the title, and he goes against Triple H at WrestleMania 18. NWO comes out, fucks up his shit, and uh, we'll talk about the Raw angle when it comes to The Rock, but on SmackDown, after No Way Out, Stone Cold Steve Austin kidnaps Scott Hall. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand that Vince McMahon's a great businessman, and he knows his shit. But it is no secret that Scott Hall has an issue with substance abuse. Sure. In, in real life. He's a full-blown drunk. Hell, mm-hmm. WCW even exploited that and have him come out drunk during matches. We'll talk about those pay-per-views eventually. Where he literally Look, comes out with a glass. If you remember at the beginning of No Way Out when they introduced the NWO, they finally came out. They even, uh, Scott Hogan said, we want to be the guys that you have a beer with. And Hogan and Nash like, no, 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 wait a minute. You, not, not you. You can't have, maybe not a beer. You can't have a beer. Yeah, exactly. But too far is my question. Um, they decide to do promos of Stone Cold Steve Austin on SmackDown leading up to WrestleMania 18. Stone Cold Steve Austin kidnaps Scott Hall, puts him into a freezer, a, a beer freezer. And then he takes him out to the ring and puts beer all over him and just beer, 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 beer. Is that too far? You know what? Yes. In this day and age, yes. But Scott I mean, Hall but- definitely agreed to this or he wouldn't have done it, but there was beer everywhere. I, I just, I was, I was amazed that this happened. Well, I mean, that was what Stone Cold was, and you got to remember, the original main event for for WrestleMania was supposed to be Triple H versus Stone Cold for the strap. That was the original plan, but he didn't want to be a bad guy anymore. Uh, ho, uh, Stone Cold. So he, in him being a bad, him being a heel was like nobody gave a shit about about Stone Cold as a bad guy anymore. They actually really didn't back when he was fucking doing it, but they quit 
quit giving a shit. So he they made they gave him the face run that he wanted, and the only way they could do that without really fucking up the storyline was to make him the enemy of the NWO, which they did fuck up. But that was how they did it. All right. So first of all, um, for all the fans of calling the ring here, uh, everybody needs to know and understand. And you need to understand when you're listening to this episode that I'm a hardcore Stone Cold Steve Austin fan. All right. So that's one. Number two, the diarrhea that came out of your mouth is just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, that's not true at all. That's not even true. It's ridiculous. The diarrhea that you just spewed, I'm insulted. You should be a peppered. (laughs) No. What happened was Stone Cold Steve Austin said to Vince McMahon, I should go against Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania at the main event. There should be the title match with Triple H versus Jericho. Do your shit. This isn't the Stone Cold documentary on the WWE Network. This is Stone Cold Steve Austin's mouth. He goes to Vince Man and says, I should be against Hulk Hogan at the main event. It should be Triple H versus Tris Jericho, and then the last match should be me and Hulk Hogan. Vince McMahon said, we're not doing it. It's not happening. Your storyline's against Scott Hall. He says, all right, if that's what you want to do, fine. Because just a few months later, Stone Cold Steve Austin leaves the W. Well, Hulk Hogan also beat his fucking life in, no, in June. No, he didn't. That's not, that's not even he, uh, he beat his fucking wife. His kids left the United States to go to England with his fucking, with his ex-wife. Mm. And he was depressed and sad and he needed some time to himself. So he leaves, he leaves WrestleMania 18, doesn't come back for at least, doesn't come, and he doesn't come back. And he didn't, he didn't want to work under Scott Hall at WrestleMania. He didn't want to do that. Okay. So would you argue with me how part of these pay-per-view reviews is how we can make things better, right? Sure. So, 2001, WrestleMania 17, Vince McMahon buys WCW, the whole invasion angle happens, blah, blah, blah. Goldberg, Nash, the NWO, all those people, they don't come over until their contracts are up. I don't blame them. Right? Why not? Why not? Why not change them up? Why not have uh, the main event being WrestleMania being Rock? Stone Cold, Triple H, Team WWF against NWO. Why didn't they do that? That's what they should have done. Well. That's what they should have done. I mean, they didn't build the Team WWF thing very well. That's why they couldn't do that. I know, but now you have it. You have the NWO. The NWO had the most underwhelming run of any any stable in fucking in, in WWE. Which is ridiculous because I think that the NWO, when they came over to WWF in 2002, in February of Nowhere Out, and then always WrestleMania 18, had a hardcore run. We'll talk about it in more detail, but Hulk Hogan runs over the Rock in an ambulance with a semi. Scott Hall. Or was it the Rock? It was, yeah, no, no, no yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. It's like, that's hardcore shit. 
Like, yeah, and they under the Vince under fucking utilized them because Vince told the whole world the NWO was coming out three weeks before they came out. Like, WrestleMania how, eighteen. How fucking stupid. Fuck the strap. WrestleMania eighteen should have been a three way tag match of Triple H, The Rock, and Stone Cold Team WWF against the NWO. That's what it should have been. Because this match was Stone Cold. I can't believe this. This is my first ever two-star rating of a Stone Cold match. Like, it was fine. It, it, it wasn't worth anything. It was worth bragging rights. And then Scott Hall sells that terrible stunner at the end where he jumps half <laughs> half the fucking ring at the end. Just yes. sells it terribly. And I'm just like, God fucking damn it. Like, WrestleMania 18, suck a dick. Like, this is this is bad. Two two stars, two stars for this match. It it should have been the main event. I don't like it. What do you? What say you? What do you feel? I I don't agree that the main event should have been a triple threat match, or excuse me, a, a six man tag match. I don't think that. I mean, I think in this particular case, the main event should have been given the matches that we have. I think the main event should have been The Rock versus. Hulk Hogan. I think that should have been the match to end the night. Number two, yes, we could, you know, I think you and I could go on for an hour about the things that they could have done with the NWO in the WWE that they did not. That Vince fucked up. Vince ruined a legitimate shot at a fantastic organization, at a a fantastic rivalry, at a fantastic, uh, what do I want to say? Uh, Faction run. Yeah, yeah. So, like, what what they should have done, but what it wasn't what we got was it should have been okay. You want to you want to take the whole Vince wanting to implode WWE from the inside. I like that, but don't tell don't tell everybody that the NWO is coming at No Way Out. Don't do that. You don't fucking do that. You have. Whatever match, the good guy, Vince's guy, the bad guy versus Flair's guy, the good guy, right? Like, the, this match is for control, however you wanted to do it, even though the – whatever. However you wanted to do that portion. And then at the end, like halfway through the match or at the end of the match, maybe 10 minutes in, whatever, the screen goes black. Like, the, the, it goes dark in the building. And all of a sudden, you, you hear that, you know, like the guitar riff of the NWO. And Vince McMahon comes out with Hall and Nash and Hogan. Think of that reveal. I've been great. Right? And Vince McMahon comes trotting out in the NWO wreck shit. Right? That should have been No Way Out. That should have been what happened in No Way Out. Instead, you get this underwhelming thing, and then for a month, it's... Scott Hall picks a guy and it's fucking ho and it's and he, Kevin fucking Nash doesn't have a ba- doesn't have a rival, right? Which is ridiculous. Yeah, but- yeah. How the fuck Hall is, uh, Kevin Nash doesn't have a fucking match? It's like he doesn't. He, it's Kevin yeah, Nash it's, versus Kurt Angle, maybe. Like what the fuck? Yeah. Well, however you want to do it, whatever. Like just give just give him somebody to fucking fight. Have this have this match be what you just said. Hall and Nash versus versus Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kurt Angle or whoever you wanted to give a, a whoever was a face at the time. 
Uh, Shawn Michaels was gone because he had his fucking back broke, right? So he was gone. Have it be in – obviously, it couldn't have been Triple H because Triple H is getting ready to go for the – The Rock was going to go Hogan, but – Right. Okay. So overall, what is your rating for the match? Uh, it's a two, two and a half star match, man. Like yeah, another one, another yeah. one, another I would one. Agree. So now we're going to get a breather and we're going to get the eighth match in the card. And it's a four way elimination match for the WWF tag team championship. It lasted for 13 minutes and 50 seconds. It was the very, very ambiguously gay duo, Billy and Chuck. You and look so good to me. Uh, they were the champions, and they defeated the APA, which is Bradshaw and Farouk, and the Dudley Boys, and also the Hardy Boys. Um, Billy and Chuck, I don't got much to say besides that's the ambiguously gay duo. Um, and you fucked up again. Uh, you had uh, Billy, who was Billy, badass Billy Gunn, who was a part of DX uh, only two years prior, who became Mr. Ass, who was a great wrestler, and him and Road Dog are probably the greatest tag team wrestlers of all time. And you have him have you have him pair with Chuck and have them be gay but not gay. Uh, yeah. I'm not saying that I am against gay uh gay. I'm not I'm not saying that I'm against homosexuality or anything like that stuff, but I'm saying that at all. What I am saying is what the fuck? Uh just weird. Just really weird. Um, the hugs were the best friends in the world. It was weird. I did not like Billy and Chuck, and I don't like the fact they're champions. This was a bad match. Once did you know? Speaking of Billy Gunn, as of today, as of today, our our filming of uh, September twenty fifth, two thousand eighteen, our recording of this episode, badass Billy Gunn was just beaten by Kofi Kingston as the most days as tag team champ. Billy Gunn, in, from his time, from all his tag team championships, from this one to the previous ones, right? Mm-hmm. Spent 953 days as a tag team champion. I believe it. What do you give this match before we get into the big one here? What would you give I, this match? I give this match and I don't give a fuck. All right, so it's zero star. Yeah, 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 I did not give a single fuck about the match. I didn't give a fuck about, and I hate to say it like that because this was a this was a decent match. Like I'm not giving it a zero stars. No, I'm giving I'm giving it a three stars because it was an enjoyable match. But like I didn't give a fuck about it. No, you know if you want to do this, if you want to have this match, I understand that it's for the strap for you know. But you have this match fucking third, right? Yeah, you have this match. Before the Kurt Angle Kane match, or before the Undertaker Flair match, because it wasn't you know like nobody gave a shit. I agree with you on that one. The next match is the match of the night, not the main event, but it is The Rock versus Hulk Hogan. The Rock ultimately comes on top and defeats Hulk Hogan. The match is the second longest. Is I'm sorry, the match is the third longest match of the night at 16 minutes and 23 seconds. Uh, let's, let's, let's talk about raw. Let's talk about the rock and uh, stone cold. I mean, rock and Hulk Hogan. So you got, so you got SmackDown, which you got stone cold and Scott Hall doing their shit. But on raw after no way out, you get the rock coming out. Hulk Hogan comes to the ring. They do their little promo 
and Rock says, you and The Rock at WrestleMania, everybody flips the fuck out. Hulk Hogan agrees. And then they decide to beat the shit out of The Rock, put him in an ambulance, and then run the ambulance over with the semi-truck four times. <laughs> is this Look, great? What, what is it? This is not only the match of the night. This is one of my top 10 favorite matches of all time. This is one of my top 10 favorite storylines of all time, which is why the, this is why the NWO era in the WWF was so embarrassingly bad, right? Because the rock was the biggest name in the building at the time, right? Didn't even have to be champ. And I don't know that he was ever champ again. He might've been, I don't fucking remember. Well, I mean, I don't, I honestly don't remember, but at the time, The Rock was the the face that ran the place, whether or not he was there constantly. He didn't have to be, but he was. He was a working dude who would take six months off, go make a movie, then come back. That's what he would do back then, right? And Hulk Hogan is the, you've called him this a hundred times, the Babe Ruth of wrestling. He was the first, he was the greatest wrestler Maybe not technically, but the biggest name in the history of professional wrestling, All right, so especially then, up until hold that. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So now I got to interrupt you. Then, who who is forget movies? Just put your movies out of your head. Okay. Who is the biggest star in WWF at that point in time? The Rock or Stone Cold Steve Austin? Oh, The Rock, hands down, because they gave Stone Cold a title run a year before, and and the WWE blew it away, like they threw it away. Ah. Fuck you. All right, whatever. Listen, at the time, okay, okay, you want to get fucking technical. Fucking Triple H's comeback was one of the biggest things that they that they did at the time because they always pushed Triple H because he was he was banging the daughter's wife. Chris Jericho was one of the biggest names in the building at the time because he always put on fan-fucking-tastic matches. As a matter of fact, Undertaker, after this Rock and Hogan, this Undertaker, and or excuse me, this Rock and Hogan match was so good, the Undertaker went to, to Chris Jericho in the locker room and told him like it was, it was, it was done. Like they said this off, it was told off the record, whatever. Jericho was so disappointed that they, he knew that they couldn't top this match that the undertaker went back to him to went out of his way. And the undertaker said, look, you're, you got to realize you got to, you obviously we can't, I don't know. And I'm getting, not getting it verbatim, but said you, right. It's, you're not going to top it. That's not your fault. You can go on and put a better match on. The fans are going to react the way they are. Your job now is to go put Triple H over. And that's what Jericho ended up doing later on. And we'll get into that. But that's how big this match was. The Rock, Hulk Hogan versus Stone Cold Steve Austin would not have been as good. Would not have been. It would have been clunky. Because the the, the I know you love Stone Cold Steve Austin, but Hollywood Hulk Hogan at this point is 100. And... Stone Cold Steve Austin is a, has always been a very clanky wrestler, not really technically sound. He's a brawler kind of wrestler. He is flashy, right? He's not. You, the best thing that ever happened to the to Stone Cold Steve Austin was guys putting him over by jumping backwards ten feet in the air when he got a stunner, or right? Bret Hart selling it at WrestleMania. Well, well, or or yeah, there's that too, and. 
but that's at the same time, it took other guys to make Stone Cold Steve Austin look good. Right. And I know you're not, you're not going to like that. And I'm not saying Stone Cold Steve Austin is not one of the biggest names in the history of the business. He is, but he's, and I get still excited when I hear the glass break whenever he comes out once a year. Right. Cause you know, he's going to stun somebody and he's going to drink 12 beers. Uh, no, I actually am going to be completely different. I actually do agree with you is that he needed the guys to get him over because that's what had to happen. A la mm-hmm. uh, WrestleMania 13. I mean, without WrestleMania 13, there would be no Austin 316. I know he does that in King of the Ring later, right, but right, right, I'm right. WrestleMania 13 with Bret Hart is what won the fans over just because he didn't tap out, he passed out. That's how yes. much he is. And, and, and Jim Ross did his damnedest every time Stone Cold came out, whether it be for a promo or for a match. JR fucking sucked his balls dry. Oh, Oh, he sucked in and he fucking sold it. Um, uh, This match with The Rock and Hogan, it's nice to see Hogan. uh, I mean, Hogan has not been a part of WrestleMania since WrestleMania 9, I believe, was his his last WrestleMania. Yeah, he was gone for nine years. He was Uh, was out of WWE for nine years. I mean, so like, you know, know, this was his, you know, this was his comeback. It was nice to see him there. Uh, I think that's why the fans uh, were all about Hogan because he's back home where he belongs. Uh, people love The Rock too, and what The Rock did. Uh, I mean, like you always see. That's why WrestleManias in the past, before WrestleMania 18, was good, a la WrestleMania 17, because people you could split it down the middle. Half the people love The Rock, half the people like Stone Cold Steve Austin. It was just a good main event. Uh, but you're right. I mean, like, uh, people, people really wanted Hogan and and that's what we got overall. I think this match is a four-star match. I think it was fun. I thought it was great. I especially liked when the rock jumped up at the end on his feet, you know, a la fucking karate style and, uh, you know, does his move with the, uh, people's elbow and Hulk Hogan selling it terribly by shaking. Like he has a seizure. He Uh, listen. Hulk Hogan was the classic heel. That's but, what he knew how to be. He didn't yeah. know how to be a modern day heel. So anytime they would a heel back in the day, watch Ric Flair take watch Ric Flair take uh, take bumps as a at, from like finishers as a bad as a as a heel. He would lay there and like shake because yeah. like uh, oh. he just he, you know he 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 hit me so hard he gave me a seizure. That's what the guys did. That's how they sold it back then, and that's what Hogan did. He he did. I'm not making fun of the guy. I'm just saying I just thought it was funny. Uh, but overall, four star. Where are you gonna give this match? This is a five-star match. This is the first five-star match that I've ever given in the history of movie guys, or excuse me, in the history of Call It in the Ring, I believe. Oh, used to say movie guys. Five. Yeah, yeah, in the history, in the history of Call It in the Ring, I think this is the first ever five-star ma- uh, rating I'm giving a match. Um, and I'm not the only one that would think that, but I probably am uh, on the lower side of that because I'm saying it as a fan. Okay. It wasn't the most technically sound match fucking now, but fucking, what's his name? Fucking Hogan was, was fucking 50 years old, probably. I don't know how old he was, but he was old. Sure. Right? Yeah. So for him to go toe-to-toe with The Rock at the peak of his physical, as a, well, let me rephrase that. The Rock is now much bigger than he ever was as a wrestler. But at the peak of his athletic ability in wrestling, Right. Hogan went toe to toe with him, and the adrenaline pumped. And they, and as, as I even said earlier in the in the in the night when we're talking about the match, right? Fucking like 
they called it in the ring. The match was supposed to go a totally different way, and they called it in the ring because they went and did what the fans wanted. That what that's why that match is a five star match to me. All right. Well, we're getting close to the end of the show here. We do have the tenth match of the night, and it was Jazz going against Lita and Trish Stratus in the triple threat match for the Women's WWF Championship. Uh, Jazz, who is the champion, comes in and does defeat Lita and Trish Stratus. Um, I thought Trish Stratus was going to win this match because it was in Toronto, Canada, and she is a Canadian. I was wrong, but I don't got much to say about the match. The women's division was not what it is nowadays. Uh, you, there was a lot of botches, uh, not very entertaining. It was the cool-down match leading up to the championship match. That match lasted 16, 6 minutes and 16 seconds. I'm going to give the match a two-star rating. It was fine. Ed, what would you give the Jazz versus Lita Trish Stratus match? What would, you, well, what, what would you give it? Trish Stratus is a Hall of Famer. Lita is a Hall of Famer. And for, I don't know why Jazz isn't if she's not. She, sh- she fucking should be because she spent years as – like, you know, she was in ECW for a long fucking time. She was one of those ones that came over during the invasion, right? And her and Tristratus for a long time had great matches, like for like a fucking year and a half. I think they had fantastic matches. <coughs> Excuse me. And then she's still wrestling. Okay. She's, uh, she's in the, she's in the, in, in the NWA now. Okay. Uh, but she was a two-time women's champion, and this match, immediately following The Rock versus Hogan, there's nothing you could do. There's, like, even if they put on a five-star match, you'd never know it. You'd never know it. This is why The Rock versus Hogan should have been the fucking, the, the, the last match. It should have been the 12th match on the card. This match, I don't even know how good it was. I have no idea, because it could have been fantastic. I was still coming down from the Hogan, from the Hogan-Rock match. I'm not going to give it a zero stars. I'm going to give it a two. I'm going to give it two and a half out of five, only because I don't know what to, what to give it. I have no idea. Fair enough. I, I don't know if it was good. I don't know if it was bad. I watched it, and it's the only time Lita's ever had a, a, a match with a strap at WrestleMania. But I have no idea. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the main event here because we've gone on for over two hours already for the fans. We got. Triple H versus Chris Jericho. Triple H comes out with Drowning Pool singing Here Comes the Pain. Terrible song, terrible live performance. Uh, It took me out of the event at that moment in time. It was very bad. Um, Chris Jericho comes out. Chris Jericho is now headlining WrestleMania. This guy a few years prior at WCW was nothing. And now he's headlined WrestleMania as the undisputed unified champion, whatever you want to call him at the time. I wouldn't call him nothing. Well, he was. And what I mean by that is that he was supposed to be feuding with Goldberg in WCW in 1999. That ultimately fell through because Kevin Nash was booking. We'll talk about WCW at a later time. But at this point in time, it's shocking that Chris Jericho is headlining WrestleMania because of what he was two years prior. To me. Um, but he's, he still is a great wrestler. I love Chris Jericho. I've always loved Chris Jericho. He sold me. I'm just saying at this point in time in 2002, it's like this guy two years ago was nothing. But yeah, according I mean, to WCW. 
he was well he was the world television champ in in uh and he came well you got to remember he came over to wwf in 99 he was not part of the invasion thing he came over before those guys did yes he did yes you're right and so he came, anyway. that's why he was y2j that's right so storyline for this match is Triple H wins the Royal Rumble. He goes against uh, he uh, goes against Chris Jericho eight months prior. He tours. Uh, he tours. He tears his knee up in real life. No story angle. He has to go through eight months of rehab and surgery. He comes back. He wins the Royal Rumble against Kurt Angle. Triple H automatically gets the WWF title match at WrestleMania, which is great because that's why I love the Royal Rumble. Whoever wins that goes against the title. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but throughout the month of February, Triple H has a little bit of uh, now here comes the storyline shit. Uh, Triple H has a little bit of a domestic issue. Uh, he and Stephanie have been fucking like rabbits because who wouldn't? Because she got a new boob job and it's wonderful. Um, we watch Raw, and my wife is watching with it with me, and Vince McMahon. Uh, the night of Raw where they're going to renew their vows, where Triple H and Stephanie were going to renew their vows. And she's wearing her uh, little gown, her little wedding dress, right? And her yeah. tits are out, right? Vince McMahon looks <laughs> at his daughter's tits blatantly <laughs> right there. And Gina says, did he just look at Stephanie's tits? And I said, yeah. She goes, that's weird. I'm done with this. Goodbye. <laughs> it's true because at this point in time, Playboy – has pursued Stephanie to pose nude. And Vince said, do it. But she didn't do it. I would have still had that issue nowadays. Which is weird. It's weird that him and Donald Trump are best friends because I now see a lot of (laughs) of similarities. Right? Yeah. I would still have that playboy if uh, Stephanie posed nude. But he thinks his daughter is hot. I mean, he blatantly looked at her titties. He blatantly did on that night. Well, he fucking paid for him. He might as well admire him. If you, everybody out there who was a fan of Colin Marie's listening to this episode, go to Raw and just Google search. I don't know the number of Raw because they do it by numbers, but just Google search Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, wedding renewal. Watch the episode of Raw and her tits are out because, you know, she has new fake titties and Vince's face is just looking right at him. Well, if you remember the, la- the in the previous uh, in the previous pay per view we, uh, we we reviewed, and it's funny that this is the third t- third time we've brought this up. The rivalry was between Chris Jericho and Stephanie McMahon. Yes, he made fun of her new titties. He did. Yeah, That's amazing. So, yeah. so now so, they're best friends and they're partners. So now Stephanie. And Triple H are going to renew their wedding vows on Raw and in, in, in February, a month leading up to WrestleMania. And a doctor comes in and says, Stephanie's pregnant, and Triple H is excited as fuck. Uh, Linda McMahon, Vince's actual uh, wife in real life, uh, but the storyline is she calls Triple H and says, hey, I FedExed you this tape. That shows the times. I FedExed yeah. you this tape. Instead of I texted you this video. Right. And watch tape. this. And the storyline is Triple H watches the tape, and the doctor who said that she was pregnant is actually an actor, and he was selling uh, travel ads, whatever. So mm-hmm. Stephanie's not pregnant. 
they renew their vows. He says what he has to say, and she's a miserable old shrew and blah, blah, blah. Uh, beats the fuck out of Vince. And they have a great promo of her, Stephanie, in her wedding gown, screaming at the camera. And, of course, Jared the King Lauder says, no hell is fury like a woman's scorn or whatever. So that's what's going on. That's the storyline leading up to this, is that Stephanie does not want Triple H to win the you uh to win the overall title uh because he wants to leave her he is asking for divorce because she has lied about the pregnancy and he has a match against uh Trish Jericho overall the match is a three star for me uh it wasn't a great match um it was what it was um uh, and knowing where Stephanie and Triple H are now it's like the storyline doesn't matter because clearly that was a storyline. Ed, Ed, how'd you feel? I mean, again, like I said for the previous match, I mean, it's just so – it's so disappointing that the WWF at the time chose to hold true to what they had been doing, which was the title match is the main event. And this was a great match. I mean, this is a four-star match. Really, legitimately, in my opinion, this is a four-star match. It gets overshadowed because legitimately the Hogan Rock match is one of the is one of the greatest matches of all time. What do you think of the storyline about the whole she's pregnant, she's not pregnant, ready to win the world? It's a typical post attitude. It's a typical attitude era storyline in the post attitude era. Oh, interesting. I you like know, that. like you remember when you remember when fucking Mark Henry was dating Mae Young and he knocked her up and she gave birth to a hand. Yeah, I do. And then on the 25th anniversary show of Raw, they gave like the hand came out. Yeah, like they made fun of themselves because they realized how stupid that was. Same thing here. Test like this is the third marriage thing for Stephanie McMahon in three years, right? Second. And it was, it's always been stupid when they do shit like this on Raw. That's not what Raw is about. Like, if you wanted to do, like, fucking the Piper's Pit and whatever, the talk is Jericho kind of thing. Or, you, they've always had something like that. It was stupid when Macho Man and, and Miss Elizabeth got married. It was stupid when they tried to marry Tess and Stephanie. And although it did have the biggest, one of the biggest reveals in the history of, of Monday Night Raw, and then this again was stupid. I, I, it, the storyline was stupid. It just didn't. It, it just didn't care of the storyline, but it is not overshadowed. But Triple H and Chris Jericho put on a great match. They did. They put on a great match. So they overcame the stupid. They they overcame the stupid storyline. Triple H ultimately does defeat Chris Jericho, and he becomes the undisputed champion. Overall, to end the show, uh, I'm gonna give WrestleMania 18 a three-star rating. Uh, it was not the best WrestleMania I've seen. I would compare it to a WrestleMania 11, maybe a WrestleMania 12, where it had hype, but there was nothing to it. Um, was not a fan of this WrestleMania. Uh, half the card was shit, and the other half, uh, I just got worn out halfway through. Um, but overall... A three-star rating for me. Ed, what would you give this pay-per-view overall? Um, I I actually, you know, unfortunately, I'm going to agree with you again. 
three stars. Um, if it wasn't for the Rock Hogan match, I think the Triple H Chris Jericho match could have been one of those matches for the ages. And it's only overshadowed by the fact that it followed the Rock Hogan. So it could have been a five star match. I have no idea. I have no. I still am coming down from the Rock Hogan at this point. Sure. Even though even though the finish of that match was was half an hour later. So it was that was a booking error on the part of WWE. I think not giving uh, not giving Nash a match was a mistake. I think uh, I I mean I don't know where they should have gone with the NWO thing exactly after this, but obviously it ended. And so I don't I don't know what to do. Like they like Linda McMahon the next night on the next night on on, on Raw was like, listen, we're splitting the company in two. Vince, you can have SmackDown. Ric Flair, you can have Raw. They we're going to have a, the first ever draft. They drafted guys. Um, Triple H kept feuding with uh, with Stephanie, and ended up in a then uh, ended up in a triple threat match with her and Chris Jericho for the, the for the title. Uh, you know, Jericho and Triple H kept feuding. Uh, Undertaker then interfered. Um, he had a match. Triple H had a match against Hulk Hogan at Backlash. Or excuse me. Uh, yeah, and he, yeah, he, Triple H had a match with Hogan at Backlash, I think. So, and then the, and then uh, Triple H, the Undertaker, which we're about to have the the, the reported last ever of. Uh, they had a Hell in a Cell match at Judgment Day, uh, and then they had a match at King of the Ring late that year. So, I mean, there's a lot of shit that happened because of this. But specifically talking about this paper, this pay per view, I yeah, it's a three stars. It's a three stars. All right. Well, that concludes our WrestleMania 18 review. Uh, thank you so much for everybody for listening to our episode of Call in the Ring here, brought to you by Movie Guys Podcast. Check us out at movieguyspodcast.com. Check us out at movieguyspodcast.podbean.com. If you like this episode, please download us at these other forums, such as Spotify, iTunes, and also iHeartRadio. Just search Movie Guys Podcast. You'll be able to find us. You'll be able to find this episode and many other episodes brought to you by Movie Guys Podcast and also for Call in the Ring. Ed, thank you so much for joining me on this episode, and we'll be back next time for another episode of Call in the Ring. Have a good night.